gives me very great pleasure to introduce my friend Cindy to you. Cindy is probably the better half of Steve, who you heard speak this morning. Slightly less travelled than Steve, I suspect. We've often had Steve on our stage, but it's just been so delightful when Cindy gets to travel with, and I guess now that you're retired, you can travel together a little bit more. So I've probably known you for about 30 years. I think the first time we travelled with you guys, we were young, pre-children, wonderful. And Steve and Cindy have really invested in younger leaders particularly, and just but just in people for the whole of their ministry lives. I've absolutely appreciated having Cindy as a what do we call you? My wise, my wise sage. She was my wise sage. The person that you, Cindy's the person that you pick up the phone to and you go, can I wrestle this through with you? And she mentors just by who she is. And so, huge privilege. It'll be a wonderful hour. Over to you, Cindy. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. It's so fun to be here. I was I, I was thinking, I was looking around the room and realizing I remember being at a meeting when virtually every vineyard pastor could fit into a room at some posh, old, you know, country manor type thing that maybe, maybe two-thirds the size of this room, every single one, you know, and, and now look at you, you know, it's, it's quite fun to have been, been along on this ride um, and seen the vineyard in the UK and Ireland grow um, just through all its stages. And I remember when nobody could imagine planting a vineyard church. Um, and clearly, you've gotten over that, <laughs> because there you are. And it was hard at the beginning for anybody to imagine having multiple leaders in their churches. And, and here you are. Um, so, you know, not senior leaders and leaders in all different kinds of ministries and men and women sitting in this room. That's just the most fun, the most rewarding and satisfying and happy thing for me to have seen and every once in a while gotten to be a little part of stirring up something new in. And what I wanted to talk with you about today, which is coming alongside people and mentoring them, is not something new to you, um, I am sure. Just perhaps I can find some contexts that you haven't thought about it in. Um, but, you know, mentoring is, is a familiar concept in business. It's often structured into um, a lot of companies. It's something, if you're working at the executive level, certainly in a business, you would expect as a, as a young up-and-comer to, to find yourself a mentor in the, within the structure of the company who can bring you along and open doors for you. 
and all that, but we don't tend to think of it so much in the context of church. Um, but one of the things that Steve and I both realized early on, as well as many others, is that if, if older leaders don't mentor and if younger leaders um, or less experienced leaders don't go after being mentored, then you are, we are dooming ourselves to a one generation church. You know, that is only as good as as the person who is pastoring it now, and where it all kind of goes when when that person retires or leaves to do something else. And and another context in which I became very aware, so when we started our church, um, we started it as a, because at that point, the established churches in America were not excited about this horde of younger people coming at them out of secondary school and university full of fire and enthusiasm for Jesus um, and rocked up in their churches wanting to be full participants. And, and what felt to us like the next logical step, we were going to become part of the local church, yay, hooray. And for the pastors who saw us coming at them and the folks who had perhaps been part of starting that church or had been carrying it along for a while, we were their worst nightmare. Because, <laughs> because there were so many of us and we actually wanted to participate. We didn't just want to sit in the back row and leave early. And so there was a pretty massive disinvitation for us, which resulted in us starting churches on our own. Uh, and the I would say, even before we became part of the vineyard, or especially before, the attrition level was pretty bad because we didn't know what we were doing. We really could have done with some mentoring, but but nobody wanted to help us particularly. We had, you know, the guys had long hair and the girls were wearing granny dresses and, and, and we thought we could lead things and we were ready to do Bible studies and we were scary. You know, so they, so we had to figure it out on our own. And, and it, every once in a while, my friends and I would look around and say, say, we need to be mentored by the older women in the church. Where are the older women in the church? And we'd look around the church and we'd realize, we are 32. We are the older women in the church. We are in deep trouble. So, but we weren't really. It just meant we could only mentor people in the things that we did know, you know. And, and actually, when we started to think about it, there were some things we did know. We knew how to lead small groups. God bless 
InterVarsity and the other campus fellowships that taught those skills and the people who invested in us. We did, we didn't know how to be married for 45 years, but we knew how to, how to navigate the dating world. We knew how to have your first job. There were things that we could mentor other people in as young as we were. And, and so we did, but it has created this hunger, I think, in us and this sense of this is important, that as we go along in our ministry life and we develop skills, um, that we need to pay attention to the young leaders coming along behind us. And I will also say, because this is something I've discovered in those early years, that as when I was a young leader, I realized if I didn't go find the people who knew the answers and ask questions, you know, kind of knock on the door and say, could I take you out for a cup of coffee and ask you a few questions? they would not necessarily do that for me. You know, it was one of those adulting points in my life where I realized I need to go get what I need. And when I show up for that coffee, I need to have a little list of questions in my phone, you know, to start the conversation. So, so there is paying, a, paying attention to the responsibility that God gives us to be mentors and the responsibility as young leaders that we have to, to go get what we need from the people we can identify know some of that stuff, okay? So mentoring is... Mentoring is a little different from some of the things you may be more familiar with. So there's coaching. Um, and, and the way that we've been doing it in the vineyard, and I think this is a really legit way to do it, you, your coach is working with the, with, the, um, with the questions you have that you're bringing to them, or the dilemmas, or the decisions, and they're coming alongside you, not, not giving to you out of their um, life experience so much as they are just very skilled at, at asking the kind of questions that help you to think and get to the place you need to get yourself, if you will. So they come alongside. And there is some of that in coaching, I mean, in mentoring, but, but there's an added layer in mentoring in that as a mentor, you are, there are some things God has given you to pass on, just like Paul did with Timothy, and he told Timothy, you know, I passed it on to you, you pass it on to those that you're caring for. And so there is, in mentoring, you actually are passing on the wisdom 
and hard-won experience that God has given you. Um, and it is... Um, it's, it's a bit like teaching, but it's more in, in that a teacher is teaching you something that you need to know. But a teacher isn't particularly trying to be relational. That's not their job. Now, maybe that in the system that you have at the university level where you're working with a professor in a particular way, that may be a little more relational. But in general, part of what makes mentoring really click is that it, it is relational. Um, it is, well, there's a, there's a good quote. So there's an American businessman named Mark Freeman who, who created something called, an organization called Experience Corps, um, which helps older adults find purpose, like in their retirement years, that kind of older, like me. Um, they find find part of their purpose in life by passing down their knowledge and expertise to younger generations. Um, and so it it may be how to, you know, tie a fly if you do fly fishing. It may be, you know, how to change a tire. It it's all all kinds of different things. But his business, his thing is all about recruiting people, helping them recognize they know something, and then matching them up with some people who would love to learn that thing, okay? But someone asked him what it takes to be a mentor, and he said, showing up and shutting up. Being consistent and listening. You don't need an advanced degree. You don't have to be a charismatic superhero. It's more about the relationship than imparting sage advice. The key is not being interesting. The real key is being interested, being present, and paying attention. And that's what I mean when I say that mentoring is relational. Um, it's you are, you're passing on things that you know to people you are genuinely interested in catching what you have to pass on. So when I was when I was a teenager, really, I got to see this in action. So we had a youth pastor. Martin was in his 40s and was a high-level executive for one of the oil companies in New York. And for fun, he was the youth pastor at our Episcopal, so Anglican, church. He drove a cool red car. He rode it, drove it very fast. He was lots of fun. And he was, God bless him, determined that all of us should meet Jesus. And so his way of doing that was he would haul us around to all the area churches where he had heard the Holy Spirit was doing something. 
so under the guise of helping us learn about other faith traditions. So it was a great cover, really legit, and just kind of waiting for the penny to drop. Because you guys know how it goes. Sometimes you can't hear, you can't hear the gospel somehow in your own context, uh, just because it's the people you've been with since you were little. And you go off to a summer conference, or you go off to somebody else's church, and somebody else says exactly the same thing that your youth leader has been saying for the last four years, and it lands. And you go, oh my gosh, this is the best news ever. And your youth pastor is going, I know it is. I've been saying that every week for, you know. So it'll be, they'll, they'll bring their friend and their friend will get saved in your youth group. So it's really okay. It all evens out. But, and it was true. One by one, our whole, our whole youth group developed a deep faith in Jesus. And then Martin got called to full-time ministry and went back to seminary at the age of 45 and is now a bishop in the Anglican Church in America. So that was good for Martin's, not so great for our youth group because then he disappeared. And he was replaced by Annie Musselman. Annie was 23 and had been teaching the... 11-year-olds before that, um, and she did not have very much experience, and she did not drive a cool red car very fast. But she had Arthur Lane, the rector of our church, and I, because I was the backup organist, I was up at church a lot after school, so I... I got to see what was going on. And what I saw was that week after week, Arthur would sit down with Annie, and she always had to come in with a list of list of questions. You know, these are the three things that got asked this week that I that I I couldn't give an adequate answer to, or this parent flipped out on me, and I don't even understand why they flipped out on me, and I certainly don't know how to respond to them, you know. And whatever it was, she, had, she would come in with a list, and Arthur would work through it with her and, and teach her from his big sack of life experience as a business person and his experience as the vicar of a church, you know, that was a good size, 250, 300, somewhere in there we were. Um, and slowly but surely, Annie became a better and better and better youth pastor. And more and more skilled, less reactionary, uh, started to have her own ideas. And he was able to just kind of coach from the sidelines. Um, and and he, she became as beloved and as effective as Martin had been. But she needed to be mentored. So that's, and Arthur believed in her and her gifting at age 23, you know, which meant he had to be able to see it in a 
little more immature form. So that's when I realized that this is a something. This is a something that we as leaders need to be about if we want the vineyards in the UK to have another generation. You know, we need to be thinking about this. So here's a question for you. Think back over your life for a minute. Who are some of the people who took time to pass on to you their kind of well-earned wisdom? Um, who noticed you and what you were good at? You can think as far back in your life history as you want. Who noticed you and were what you were good at even at times when other parts of you were a mess? Who gave you some of their time and attention to help you on your way? What do you remember about that relationship? How did they do that? Is there anything you remember them saying to you that still sticks with you? What was it like being with them? What did that deposit in you? So just take a minute and think about that. And if you're a scribbler, scribble some of those thoughts down, just a name or a phrase. And then I'd really love to hear a few of those stories. Okay, so does somebody have one of those? It doesn't have to be fancy. Somebody mentored you. Somebody came alongside you. So she saw that gift in you, and she encouraged you to, to step out in it. Yeah. Wow. Is that something you still do? I do. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yes, very much so. Yeah. And that's a case where this was somebody younger than she was, but who, who could see she had that 
she, she looked and she saw that gift. Somebody else. Did you pick up on some of the things there? That that she she saw the gift, she believed in the gift, she made, she opened a door for that gift to be able to be expressed. She gave her a way to hear that feedback and get cast a vision for a future for her that she couldn't have imagined herself. That's mentoring. And yeah, yeah. Somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, on the theme of that, there's actually two ladies in this room that have mentored me within church. One of them is more of an official role, and when she was pastor, the other one she's done it naturally without even kind of realizing it was for the teacher. Um, I've been speaking to one of them earlier on actually, and I was saying to her that I was really grateful for her because she's always been that person that said or what mess I've been in or how complicated my explanation of what's going on in my life seems or she hasn't even explained herself she really has just listened without judging and they've they've both been like that for me and helped me to just just to be me really and that's been really healing and I just want to say thank you to Believing in you when you couldn't believe in yourself. Yeah. And listening, not jumping in right away to be corrective, but listening and and letting you talk it talk things out all the way. Really important. Really important. One more, anybody? Yeah. Yeah, so when I, I, I joined Vineyard um, a couple of years ago and the person who mentored me he, he First of all, he met me in the context which I found comfortable, um, and then he, he sort of gifted me and has taken me through that, and I, le- I then led a small group with him, and then he oversaw me leading my own small group, um, and it's now at the point where I'm co-leading student ministry with him, um, and just, and then I'm actually, I live with him now, and he's just sort of, at every stage, has like, has made, made it possible for me to move on to the next thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. which has been really invaluable. Yeah. Do you feel like you could imagine yourself doing that for somebody coming up behind you in your turn? Yeah. 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 I'd, I'd like to. Yeah. <laughs> well, and you've seen it done. Yeah. And you've seen it done. Yeah. 
that that so it's interesting we've heard we've heard a couple of people say there's they've they've had a formal experience with mentoring and they've had informal experiences with mentoring and that's and both of those things are possible and some of you will find that the that the in that the informal mentoring thing is m a better fit for you and others of you will find that that the more informal way is a is a really good fit for you. Did I just say the same thing twice? I probably did. <laughs> you can do it both ways. You can create a structure that allows you to mentor. Um, if it's a group structure, like for instance, I mentor a group of, of women leading in American vineyards who are not leading in a senior pastor role. Um, there's, we've got another cohort that are all women who are senior and executive pastors. My cohort are people who are youth pastors and worship pastors and volunteer and paid um, community life pastors. They play all different kinds of, of roles. And there's the, we've designed a structure there that allows us to, um, to, to work with them to encourage their gifts and to, and to build up our community of women leaders in the American vineyards who are developing the skills and the, and the relationships they need to keep moving forward into whatever God has for them to do. Because I don't know about you all here, but for us in the States, that's a very new thing. Um, relatively. It's just one generation old that women would be sitting in some of those chairs and in some of those rooms. And you need, you need community and you need, um, you need somebody who has gone ahead of you saying, um, here's, here's how you do this. Let's talk about this. Let's talk about how different personality types work on a team when you're trying to make a decision. How you recognize what you are, uh, how your personality works, and make the most of that, and also be able to recognize what you need on the team that you're not if you're going to get the job done. Um, and, you know, we I, we talk about a we, six six weeks worth of things everything from from leading a holy spirit ministry time to um to th thinking about social justice issues to um to having your own devotional life there's a thought um it's one of those places where often pastors fall into a ditch because they're brilliant at helping everybody else get their spiritual life going, you know, but they sometimes forget to keep investing in theirs and letting it go deeper and deeper and deeper. So, um, so all the kinds of things that in these examples are important things about mentoring. 
So here's another question for you. I'll ask another question. What, what are some of the pass-onables that you have right now? What are some of the things that you have learned from your life experience, from the gifting God has given you that you've kept honing? Um, what are some of the things that are easy for you now that weren't before? You know, it can be practical stuff like making a budget and living in it. It can be, you know, it can be preaching. It can be intercession. It can be leading a ministry time. So take a minute and either in your mind or on a piece of paper, just what are the things that, and, and I'll narrow it down for you a little bit, what are some of the things that another leader might need to know that you, that that has become a practiced skill for you. Okay? I'll give you another minute to kind of think about that. So what are some of the things? What are some of the things on your list? This isn't bragging. I know we don't brag in England. <laughs> this is just, you know, any, anybody around you, if you're not sure, think, you know, what, what would my best friend or one of the key leaders in my church say was true about me? as far as the things, the pass-onables that I have. Anybody? OK. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. OK. Got it. Got it. So. So the, the skill of helping people let go of their need to change people themselves, as opposed to letting, letting God do it <laughs> when the time is right. Yeah. Right? Yeah. They might. <laughs> yeah. yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Other things. I mean, also that everybody is unique, so you can give them your experience, right. but that doesn't necessarily mean they have to channel themselves through your the ways that you behave. Right, right. So you're you're giving them the benefit of your experience, but they are still that other human being, 
and they'll have to figure out how to adapt that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, that is like one of those pastoring 101 skills that people don't come ready, ready equipped with. That is such an important skill as someone is sitting across from you and saying, this person did this and I know this is why they did it. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to confront them next week because they blew up at me because I was trying to get to the loo and I didn't and I didn't say good morning to them you know yeah which happens to virtually every pastor at some point um, so so that that taking the time yeah yeah that's that's a that's a pass onable if ever there was one somebody else Such a good pastoring skill. Such a good pastoring skill. Somebody else. Yeah. There you go. There's a pass honorable. <laughs> How many worship leaders are in the room? <laughs> At least one other. <laughs> you might need to teach him the, <laughs> the projecting skill. But no, those are all such helpful things for people to know. So mentoring is like this. So it, in your in your church context or your ministry context. Um, if you are a leader in that context, there are things that you can give away. However many things there are that you don't think you know yet, there are things you already know that you can give away to somebody else. So the most fun people to mentor you're you're looking for leaders so even if you're working with the youth as a matter of fact i would say especially if you're working with the youth there are leaders in that room there are leaders in the children's ministry for that matter they're usually the ones climbing the walls and not listening to you when you tell them to sit down and our our former children's pastor 
used to because the teachers were telling her that they were the pains in the neck. And she said, no, those are the future leaders. So she just started giving them responsibilities. And it, it, changed, the whole, it changed the whole dynamic. And most of them are leading in the church and in business and in whatever venue God has called them to today because they're leaders. It's in them from the time that they're very small. Um, so as, as a leader in a ministry, and I'm assuming that all of you do that in some way, uh, which you're, you're, looking for, you're looking for the leaders in the room. Um, some of them may have been assigned to you. Some of them may not even know their leaders yet. Um, but you can see some of those things that make you make clue you in that they're a leader. They show up early, they stay at the end, they they have questions or comments, that little critiquing things sometimes. Um, they they just automatically take responsibility for things. They notice things. Um, Leaders do show their hands even if they're trying not to lead. But the, the ones that are the most fun to mentor are the ones who come to you with questions. Um, how did you do that? Um, why do you think that? What are you reading? What should I read? Um, you know, what? <laughs> Why is the earth round? I mean, <laughs> there are all kinds of questions. But, but you can get started mentoring them by inviting them, or you can, or you can wait to see if they'll approach you, and both things work. Um, the way that you might start mentoring somebody that you recognize as a leader that might want something that you can pass on, so one of your pass onables that you just kind of made a list of, um, it's you offer the opportunity for for a conversation. You know, forty five minutes over coffee or you know sitting at a table after the service if you've got one of the lobbies that works that way or or some setting like that um, and you really can say um, I'd I'd love to give you 45 minutes of my undivided attention how about if you come with some questions that you have and, and see what happens. You would be amazed at, at how much people are thinking about things they've seen you do or see, heard you say. Uh, and, and they might not come up and ask you directly, but they, but they may very well be willing if you offer them the opportunity. Um, and 
And then you're off and running because, because that gives you an, an opportunity to engage with them and, and get them talking. So in that, in that first time of being with someone, it's that thing that Mr. Friedman talked about, about it's not so much about you being interesting as you being interested. You know, if somebody has a question, you can ask them for the context. You know, why did that question feel important to you? Um, you know, is there something else going on that that relates to? What did you notice? Um, and to, so they will start to tell you their story and you get a clue to their thinking. And then you can respond a little bit. And, but, but you're taking the interest in them because the question you're asking in your mind is, Father, how is this person, how is this person gifted? I know they're a leader. How are they wired? Um, are they, do they lead with their mind? Do they lead with their heart? Do they, um, are they kind of contemplative? Are they activist? How are they wired? How can what I know help them take the next step forward in their discipleship, in their learning to be a good leader? Um, and if, if they're not coming up with questions, you can ask them a few, you know, in your, in your small group, um, what, what are the, what are the three things that have been the most fun in the last two weeks for you, most rewarding? What are the three things that have, that have been puzzling or discouraging to you? You know, and what questions do you have about those? Um, and as they talk, then you have a little bit of an opportunity to give input out of your experience. Showing care for people is, is huge. Showing care for leaders and communicating to them that you want to see them succeed and grow in their leadership and grow in their in their depth so both their skills and their their character their walk with Jesus um, those that is sort of a good way to to start um, offering the invitation when it's a leader that you're responsible for the other way is sometimes somebody will come toward you, um, depending on you know your visibility or something that they want to know. You lead a compassion ministry. They want to start a compassion ministry. They don't know how to do it. They come toward you. They see you leading worship on Sunday. They feel like God's calling them to lead worship. They want to have a conversation. 
you they've heard you preach or they've watched you online and they they want to up their skill level you know so they contact you and say can i send you the scripts from my last three sermons would you and would you go over those with me um or they might be less coherent than that. They might just say, I want to learn how to preach better, which, to which we all say, hallelujah, yes, yes. <laughs> I have some ways I could help with that. <laughs> so, and if they listen to you, you will not only have a grateful preacher, but you will have a grateful church. So you will, <laughs> you will have done well, you know. It can, it can be, you know, you you organize a thing. You uh, this has happened to me out of sheer desperation when I realized that the women in our church were not learning how to speak and lead ministry times because they weren't getting an opportunity at that point on Sunday morning. I thought as I was watching the the young men getting all these opportunities and I thought this is not going to work long run this is not going to work we're going to reproduce what we've already got so I started out of sheer desperation two friends of mine and I doing some just doing some weekend women's conferences and the idea was that we were going to talk about um that we were going to give opportunities for both those things. We were also going to give opportunity for women to hone their prophetic gifting and for people to learn how to be the ministry team. All skills that now are all over the vineyard, men and women, irrespective, but then it was not not such a big deal. So we did it a few times, and in the wake of that, I had people come and say, we want to do that in our region. How do I do that? So I then got to mentor some women who were able to go back to their area and organize something, and a whole bunch more women got trained that wouldn't have but they could always come back and talk to me, you know, and get more ideas and solve problems and all those things that mentoring does for you. So, um, so you're looking for that, I want to know, I want to learn, and in yourself, you're looking for that attitude of, I will take the time I have and I will divide it in such a way that you get a portion of it. You know, if you're going to commit to mentoring, it means you're committing to be interrupted um, and to make space for that interruption and have that person not just be an interruption, but, but an investment. You are investing. Um, and I'm, I'm going to give you a chance. Mm. OK, let me say something for two minutes, and then I'm going to let you ask questions. Um, some of you clearly already have mentoring baked into your, into your church contexts. You do, you do, 
Um, and others of you could do that with, with your leaders. So this is the other way mentoring can happen, is to, is to bake it in in the form of a um, of an opportunity that comes around on some kind of annual cycle. Um, so, at it, and it can be by ministry or it can be across the church where you're saying, you know, we have a, a six week mentoring opportunity or a six month, one meeting a month mentoring opportunity that works. Um, for for leaders in this church, um, and these are the commitments, and you outline the commitments in such a way that it's clear that you're serious about this, that, that for those six months, it's gotta be a priority. Um, and they get, there's, it'll be a limited number of people and kind of a set curriculum, but with lots of opportunity for interaction and for praying for them and getting them to pray for each other. Um, and we have done that in the vineyard in the US, um, especially with our new church planters. We have, they get a coach and a spiritual director, but they also get a mentor, someone who has, there's nothing more comforting when you're a church planter and you're on your like 15th week of Sunday keeps coming around, it just never stops. It just, Sunday after Sunday, there it is again. And you have run out of ideas for things to preach. Or you can't figure out how to organize your week or or you can't, your team is going, pay attention to me, pay attention to me, and, and you know that your focus has to remain on gathering, you know, gathering the, that first bunch of people into the church so you're not going to be able to, to circle the wagons right then. Um, it, there is nothing more comforting than having somebody say, yep, been there, done that. And, you know, here's, here's a, set of, a set of sermon ideas with a basic outline. Start here. Um, that gets you halfway there. This will take you up to Advent or something, whatever it is, whatever it is they need. It is so helpful um, for church planters. Steve and I planted. It was the usual planted church have a baby thing. <laughs> so, so I mentored, I have mentored since then a lot of people who have said the picture I had in my head for what this was going to look like when we were both, you know, doing everything together is is a train wreck right now. I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to feel like I'm still part of it when I'm spending half the time walking the baby in the kitchen so so that they can hear in the, in the lounge. You know, I, that's mentoring. And if you've done that, you can do that for somebody else who's desperate to hear that information and who can be really helped by it. Um, and, and on and on. So 
Again, you can do it in a structure. You're all very smart people. I bet that if you wanted to do something like that in your church, you could figure out what six topics would be a great way to start a little mentoring program in your church. And then you can mess with it, you know, round two. See what works, see what doesn't adjust. It's anything you can give with an eye to raising up the next generation. And if your next generation <laughs> finds somebody who's doing what you want to do and go ask questions. Go say, would you spend a little time with me? Honestly, almost nobody will say no unless they're full up. And if they're full up, they can probably they can probably say, not me, but, you know, but, but do it. I just, I can't tell you. The people who ask questions stay out of trouble and they get all the goodies. The people who say, no, I can do it myself. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna power through it. Don't, they don't. <laughs> Sooner or later, they hit a wall and they don't know anybody. They don't know who to ask. They, they just slide down the wall. You know, so don't be that person. <laughs> okay, questions. We got like yeah, three minutes. <laughs> Does the uh, vineyard movement have a structured, um, um, published mentoring program? I pro I have no idea what what's available over here. But my guess is, it's how many of you have discovered that the vineyard tends to really love the creative part of things? <laughs> and the, and the and published curricula part of things, not so much. <laughs> that is true with mentoring, too. Probably the closest that we have is we do have at least in the USA, we do have four leaders. We do have some set structures. And I, if you give me your information, I can send you the one that we use with the women, which works perfectly well for the men, actually. <laughs> Somebody else, yeah. Sometimes when it's more natural, it might work better for some people than being told, here's this person you don't know, they're going to mentor you for a while. So do you have any kind of tips in there? Sometimes if you can get people to think, is there somebody in this church I can see who is doing some things that I feel like maybe God's calling me to do. Um, or it's almost like they're, the, they're a bit the person you'd like to be when you grow up. Sometimes that's an easier way for people to think about it. Um, and it makes them a little more willing to take the risk of asking, I think. 
because they can start with the sentence. There's something that you do all the time that I would like to learn how to do. Could you help me learn? You know? So like it's a bit more specific. Right. Around yes. Around around a a thing. Um yeah. Yeah. And I mean, and that it can be uh, it can be more general in that I have I have seen the way that you interact pastorally with people. I feel like God's given me a heart to want to pastor people like that in that way. Could you help me learn how to do that? Sometimes, if you can give people that script, or if you can internalize it yourself, but if you can give people that script, sometimes that makes it a little easier for them to ask. All of us are afraid people are going to say no if we ask. And I can't make that any better, except to say I know very few pastoral leaders, unless they're at an incredibly busy time in their life who would not love to mentor somebody who wants to do what they know how to do, you know, in the way that they know how to do it. Honestly, I don't know any of us that that would be, that that would, who would say no to that. They might have to put you off three months, but yeah. So anybody else? One last question. That's a good question. That's a good question. Because we all have limits. We all have people limits. Extroverts have bigger people limits. Introverts have little tiny <laughs> people limits. I'm an introvert, I know. So it, you do have to kind of go before Jesus and say, what's my capacity? And you need to look at your diary and say, what, what are the limits here? And, and you don't say yes to anything before you know those two things. I tend to do things in like three-month increments, which for the most part, if you think about school terms, it kind of falls that way. You start in September. You, you know, December is, is not a useful month. <laughs> you know, you got kind of January to March, and then you got Easter, and then and then maybe summer. Um, so I tend to do things in in those three month increments, and then we'll reassess at the end of those three months. And I always tell people up front, it is okay with me if you get to the end of this time and you need to take a break or you're done. Um, I'm not gonna. I'm not going to feel offended, um, which gives people an on-ramp and an off-ramp. And I think we all need that. So I would, you can go for quite a while. I've mentored people for two or three years before they needed a break or I needed a break. But we've always had that, that kind of on-ramp, off-ramp, month-off thing. And it keeps you from burning out. 
Yeah, I generally do once a month. Sometimes there's a reason to meet a couple of times a month. Um, but I would say not more than that. They, they can't absorb everything you just taught them or everything they just thought about, you know, unless they have a little gap to work with it for a while. Once a month, they come back with the greatest list of questions off of what you talked about and what's happened during the month. It's much more fruitful. Okay, you all, that was wonderful. Thank you for coming. I love you all.